Coming up. They were searching in this school, and I remember the police saying, oh, we shouldn't go in there. And I remember her mom saying, I'm going in. She could be in here. For Vault Studios, I'm Reed Redmond. You're listening to The Daily Cron. Good afternoon. I'm Lieutenant Camden Cobb with the Southampton County Sheriff's Office. It's March 5th, 2019, two years ago. And Cynthia Carver, a 34-year-old mother of two, from the small town of Newsom's, Virginia, has been missing for 12 days. Cynthia was last seen by her family around 9 p.m. on Thursday, February the 21st, 2019, in the Newsom's area. And she has not been heard from since that time. Carver had dropped her kids off at a babysitter's house on the night of February 21st. It was on February 22nd that her mother drove by her house and noticed the back door was wide open. She got to the door and called out to see if her daughter was home. That's when she noticed the blood. A large pool of deep red on the floor and called 911. Uh, Detectives recovered a knife and blood evidence from her home. It does not appear that she left of her own free will. To talk about this case, I am joined by Allie Weatherton, reporter and multimedia journalist with 13 News Now in Norfolk, Virginia. Allie, we have a lot to talk about with this case, but before we start getting too far into what happened, I want to ask you a little bit about where it happened. You've spent quite a bit of time there. Tell me about the town of Newsom's, Virginia. Uh, The easiest way to describe it is literally the middle of nowhere. Um, Probably an hour to an hour and a half away from, I'd say the biggest city would be Norfolk, Virginia, um, where the station is out of. So every single day we have to, we would have to drive there um, each way. So it, it's pretty far out there. And how big is Deucens? Very small. Um, everybody knows everybody in that town. Um, so when Cynthia Carver went missing, Everybody knew who she was. You could walk into a diner and people would know why the media was in their little small town. Um, it was it was a quaint town. Like I said, everybody, I mean, I think the sheriff, everybody knew who she was or knew someone who knew her. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned that um, Cynthia Carver goes missing from this, this tiny, tiny town. Um, she was 34 years old when this happened. What else can you tell me about her life prior to February of 2019? Cynthia Carver was a mom. She had two small children. um, And I just remember everybody just saying how loved she was. Uh, She was really close with her mom. Um, And I remember when she disappeared, her mom, I can just, I can still see her and picture her talking, pleading with the public if they know anything to come forward. And um, there was actually one one case where we went and searched everywhere. It was a huge community search. It was like a local church pastor organized it. And um, we just searched for hours. And I remember his her mom just looking in all these places. And she was like, I hope I don't find her. I hope I don't find her. Um, but that's what I remember the most, I think, is that search and the community really coming together at that point just to look anywhere And I remember in that town, there was a lot of abandoned buildings, schools, broken glass everywhere. And they were searching in this school. And I remember the police saying, oh, we shouldn't go in there. And I remember her mom saying, I'm going in. She could be in here. And so that's that's one of the biggest memories I think I have from that case. Uh, What were the circumstances then surrounding her disappearance? When was she last seen? When did family or friends start to think that something might be wrong? 
She worked in a dr- jail, and we remember that she just randomly went missing. And we, I think at the station, we were all like, hmm, wonder if it's somebody that just got out of jail and didn't like her or she did something wrong. Um, and then we were, we talked to the mom, uh, Cynthia Carver's mom, and she said, um, her daughters were, Cynthia Carver's daughters were supposed to go to a babysitter's that night. And she remembers her grandchildren heard Cynthia, their mother, talking to a man, texting a man, talking to a man, and said that he would, she would wait up for him. Um, and that's the last thing that they remember hearing. Um, and then when Cynthia didn't talk to her mom the next day, um, her mom, obviously knew something was wrong and she went into the house and found blood, found a knife, found a bunch of stuff. And it was, I don't remember if it was raining or snowing, um, but there were tire marks in her driveway. She didn't have a real like actual pavement or blacktop driveway. So you could see the tire marks in the car from the car. Um, and we got video of that house, and I remember seeing the blood on the steps. You saw it everywhere. So that's when I think everybody was like, what is this? Um, and that's when the search really, really started. Mm-hmm. And I have a few clips here that I'll play. And these are from interviews with Cynthia's family members and friends during this this time frame right after she went missing when they're all out searching. She's a very sweet person. She'll give you clothes off, come back. She's just a very sweet, sweet person. She loves Cynthia, and I mean, she's my, my, my baby girl. Just let us know where she's located or where do you have her. Just let her come home. Family and friends, everybody love her. Just give us any information that you can give us. We just want her home. So, Allie, we just heard Cynthia's family and friends, and based on what they all had to say about her, it seems like she was really loved and wasn't one to make a lot of enemies. Do you think that's a fair characterization? Very fair from what we heard from her family and friends, like you said, seemed like everybody loved her and everybody knew her in that town. So it was just really strange on how she disappeared. And we all wondered who could do this. Is it somebody that she knows? Is it someone she grew up with? And so that was really, really a strange part of the story. And then on March 5th, just over a week after she goes missing, the sheriff's office and the FBI hold this press conference And what we learn is that they're getting a lot of tips. They have multiple suspects that they're looking into, some specific areas of interest. Uh, Here's a clip from from that press conference. It does appear that she was removed forcefully from her home. There was evidence of of what appeared to be a brief struggle. And then the evidence from the home, the the areas where there was some blood on uh, on the floors and the knife that was collected. Uh, Based on that information and based on Based on everything that we've done up to this point and everything that we have found out up to this point, um, it, it very clearly she did not leave of her own free will. And we were maintaining hope that we will find her and bring her home safe and alive. And in this press conference, they also talk about what you mentioned, that they believe that Cynthia was going to be meeting up with a man the night that she disappeared. At this point, did we have any idea who that person might be? No, um, we had no clue as the media. I think investigators pieced together a little bit because Cynthia Carver's daughter overheard her mom talking to somebody on the phone. And I believe she was calling him Little James. Um, And so that is where we got the name James. And I think then everybody was searching, who is James? Who is James? Do we know a James? 
And it kind of all started from there. And at what point do we actually find out then what happened to Cynthia and what is it that we learn? They found her body um, in like a southern part of Suffolk, which is a rural area as well. Um, And I remember she was only found in her bra and underwear and she was face down. And I think she was in like several inches of water. And her mom always said that she would know if it was her daughter because she had a tattoo of a butterfly on her right arm. Um, And that's how they were able to identify her. Um, And then I remember going to the courthouse, which was a super small courthouse. And um, there was 700, 800 pages of documents. And they said in the documents, it said she was stabbed multiple times all over her body, her neck, her hands, her chest. And um, they listed her cause of death as multiple sharp force injuries. And so um, they ended up testing, I believe, her her tennis shoes. And they looked at her toothbrush and they looked at all of this stuff. And they ended up finding out that James Goodwin, who is the man that's charged in her murder, um, they found his DNA underneath her fingernail. Um, and I believe he is currently charged with kidnapping and murdering her. So Cynthia goes missing in late February of 2019. Her body's then found in late March. It's in June of 2019 that police arrest, as you said, James Goodwin Jr. What else do we know about this man? We don't know much about him. Um, I do remember she was supposed to be driving from um, Newsom's to Virginia Beach that day. Um, and I remember hearing in the courthouse or courtroom that they were planning on meeting. Um, I believe that they met on Facebook Messenger and they were planning to meet. I don't know if it was a first time for them or they knew each other, but I don't, I do know they met on Facebook. And now, as I mentioned, it's been two years since all of this played out. Where is this case at now? Still in the court's hands. Um, we are still waiting. Um, it'll go to a grand jury. And so we're just kind of waiting for that. We we had the court documents and looked through the hundreds and hundreds of pages of those. And now we kind of just wait. And while we're waiting on that, do we have any indication in the meantime as to a motive why investigators say James Goodwin Jr. murdered this woman? Nope, nothing. Two years later. So before I let you go, it seems like when something awful and shocking like this happens in a small town, particularly, everyone is really impacted. When you've spoken with people out in Newsom's about this case, what have they had to say about the effect that it's had on on their town, and their community? I think when it hits so close to home, people, you know, it takes them a step back on. I know people in Newsom said to me before, I never locked my door. I slept with the windows open. I think now they are rethinking that. Um, just in general, the, the the people are still mourning from her. I mean, everybody knew her. Um, so I'd be curious to go back and do a story of a follow-up. I would assume nobody is staying at that house. I know um, after she vanished, that house remained empty for several months because we would actually have to drive by it to go to the courthouse. 
And I remember thinking, wow, wow, that's so strange that it's just it's just the house still sitting there, no no car in the driveway, just lights off and Yeah, it really seems like just a, a devastating loss for this tiny little community. Well we'll we'll continue to keep an eye on this as as it continues to play out in the courts. But Allie Weatherton with 13 News Now in Norfolk, Virginia, thanks for coming on. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Crime. We're daily, which means we're covering a new case every day, Monday through Friday. If you want to help us out, take a second to leave a review of the show on Apple Podcasts and go tell a friend to check out this episode. You can find more podcasts from Vault Studios, including Amy Should Be 40 and 88 Days the Jamie Claw Story by visiting vaultstudios.com. Until next time, for Vault Studios, I'm Reed Redmond. <laughs>